preseason is over, and now we're looking forward to the start of the regular season. Round Ball Roundup, Episode 5, here on utahjazz.com. JP Changa, getting you set for the regular season. We'll be getting into our entire season preview when it comes to what to expect, what are reasonable expectations, next episode on Monday. But let's recap what happened this week in Utah Jazz land. And let me tell you, you will want to hear our interview at the end of this podcast. It is with Brian Russell, the Utah Jazz guard. He joins us and gives us some great trash-talking memories of those 90s teams. Brian Russell on the other side. But looking at what we saw from the Jazz in the preseason, the final games, two losses this week, one against the Kings, the other against the Trailblazers. And what do I hear in the background right now? Is that the panic button? Is that people going to the hills? No victories against NBA opponents. Preseason results really don't matter. When you look at what we see last year in teams that went undefeated in the preseason or went positive in the preseason direction, one of those teams was the Knicks last year, and they ended up the way that they ended up. You have to see positive steps that were taken through the preseason. And some of the things that I was keying in on heading into these games were, how are the new guys going to integrate themselves? How's Mike Conley going to adjust alongside Donovan Mitchell? How are the young guys, the second-round draft picks, going to fit in? Those were the things that you have to clue in on when it comes to these exhibition games. You're not going to learn these broad themes that are going to translate to the regular season. It's different from going through the regular stretches. And it's different from postseason basketball when it's virtually matchup-based. When Utah changes their entire defensive system against Houston because of the matchup. Should you be concerned that the Jazz gave up so many points. The preseason virtually started once you had Rudy Gobert out there last week against the Pelicans. This team is completely different when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. And also understand this about some preseason games. You're not necessarily trying to win every single one. Once we see this team on Wednesday, that's when you can start evaluating games. That's when you can start analyzing things and putting the microscope up to them. What's the Rudy Gobert tweet? We will be fine. That's the thought inside the organization, inside those walls, because multiple parts are being brought in. You don't have Derek Favors as the other guy alongside Rudy Gobert to solidify more rim protection. You have different parts that are trying to get in there. I think the thing that you can take from these games are interesting lineups that Quinn Snyder might be able to afford to him. Starting lineup can go a couple of different directions. You have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell as the guys that are going to solidify the backcourt. Where you go from there, Boyan Bogdanovich in the first five, Royce O'Neal or Jeff Green alongside with him, and then Rudy Gobert, that's going to be where we're going to look at and see how this team plays because those are the lineups that are going to be great offensively. We saw it from Jeff Green and his capabilities throughout the early going, and he's the type of guy that doesn't matter where you're going to go with him. You can start Royce and bring Jeff Green off the bench, give that second unit a little athleticism. And additionally, you can also have, in this starting lineup, in the lineups that we're playing in the most recent games, you have Joe Ingles acting as the de facto point guard for that second unit. And having him, somebody that makes the right read, that knows exactly Quinn Snyder's offensive game, 
you're going to be fine. You have a very capable backup point guard when Mike Conley goes out. And statistics. Boyan Bogdanovich, the newly acquired wing for the Jazz, he shot 3 for 19 over the last two. And while that's a ghastly number, I can see you clutching your pearls right now. Statistics say that's going to get better when it comes to the regular season and things get played. In fact, let's hear from Quinn Snyder after the last preseason game against the Trailblazers what he had to say about Boyan Bogdanovich. This is the first summer that he hasn't played throughout the whole summer with um, his national team. Um, And then, you know, he's in a new environment. Um, You know, I I think, again, kind of like we talked about with Emmanuel, you know, I, I thought the game was easier for him, you know, earlier in the preseason. And, um, you know, he, he just, he, he'll get back to being more instinctive and, and making making reads. But again, like like Emmanuel, like Mike, like Rudy, like the, when you throw your, if we throw ourselves into the defensive end, I think a lot of those things will take care of themselves. And oftentimes, um, you know, if, if you're struggling a little bit offensively, it, it, can, it can impact you defensively as well you know the game it's connected like that so um i'm not i'm not worried about about boyan he'll 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 find his his rhythm and uh you know i i I think like like the rest of us you know he he just keep investing and defending and, and let that be the way we evaluate ourselves that's the main question for me how you're going to view this entire jazz season Justin Zanuck, Dennis Lindsay, in their introductory press conference for Mike Conley and Boyan, they're shooting for being a team that is top five offensively and top five defensively. Segway. GMs around the league took a survey. Who was voted the best interior defender and who was voted the best coach for a defensive scheme? Rudy Gobert, Quinn Snyder. And when it comes to those votes, it wasn't close. Gobert. 93% over all the other guys receiving votes. And that's up from last year when he was voted the top guy at 80%. Best defensive schemes, that was a little bit closer, but you have more guys in that grouping. Snyder, 28%. Bud, 24%, is number two. And then a whole host of other coaches at 7%. You see how much respect that this organization has. It's going to take a little bit of time to get everybody on the same page. Offensively, it clearly looks like they've got things sorted out and know where everybody's going to be and have adjusted that way. Defensive timing, defensive scheming, something that is the identity for this team, that might take a little bit while, but Rudy Gobert tweeted this out. We will be fine. And for them to get themselves top 10 defensively puts you for a shot to be a really, really, really good team. One of the teams that threaten out here in the West. Not only do you have the Clippers twice, who won't have Paul George because he's resting at least in the first month. Lakers, Warriors, Sixers, Bucks, Nets. And that's all before November 15th. So for people who are watching this team, you're going to learn a lot during that first couple of games. But I think you have to fall back on the fact that this team and this organization has valued defense as an identity, that you trust what they have in place to figure it out. Donovan Mitchell has talked about in this offseason how much he wants to be an improved defender first. How he took on that role with USA Basketball, he was willing to do more dirty work. When they're playing against the Nets and you have Kyrie going off, 
who's going to be there to stop him? When are you going to see Royce O'Neal go out there and have to guard LeBron James in that first opportunity that they get against L.A.? GMs around the league have recognized, and you saw this in that survey, that Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich are the underrated signings of the offseason. This team, one of the clubs that everybody is banding around as the one that won the headlines in the summer, that was smart enough to make those moves that can improve you to another tier in this league. We'll get into what national media is saying about the Jazz on Monday with a little bit of a local flavor as well, so tune in for that. As far as news and notes when it comes to the Jazz, Team Wave Kyle Collinsworth and Juwan Morgan. Collinsworth, we had talked about the BYU guy being signed the last podcast, didn't feature in either of the games, but we told you what the Jazz value in him. It's that ability to defend and the fact that his body type, 6'6", is very comparable to other players that could really fit in a Snyder setup. Juwan Morgan featured in a couple of games, and the Indiana forward will also be a candidate for the Salt Lake City Stars. They have the player rights for both of those players to go down with the Stars and further on that development. Already on two ways, Justin Wright Foreman and Jarrell Brantley, that's where they can get minutes. Signed on to the Jazz as part of another transaction. Isaac Haas, somebody who is familiar with Jazz circles, he was with the Summer League squad last year out of Purdue. He's a big And then Mike Scott, he's a point guard out of Idaho who played overseas. Wait and see on those, but brass in the organization see things in these guys because they've been around the club. It's going to be a matter of building that confidence at Bruin Arena so that they can make it to the Viv and play in the league. Now, to a player that never lacked confidence, a player that lasted in the league for 13 years A second-round draft pick in the 1993 draft. It is Brian Russell, the man who guarded Michael Jordan in the finals. He joins us on Round Ball Roundup. I caught up with him because he was here for a junior jazz event. A success story with this club under Jerry Sloan, who developed and got to a point where he is guarding the best player on the planet in the finals. Let's let you hear from B-Russ in just a moment. Make sure to give us five stars, nice reviews wherever you listen to the podcast, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Spotify. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave us a review. The next voice you hear will be Brian Russell, the legendary defensive stopper of those 90s jazz teams. The only reason why I got used to it because I played up here in college uh, Utah State was in the Big West, so, but I mean, I was choked out. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> I thought I had asthma, but I didn't. But I mean, this air is, is something else. It's, it, it's, it took a minute to get used to. You had big dog Antoine Carr coming in. He's a he's a Greek god. Carl Malone, the same thing. John Stockton with the competitiveness that he had. What was that group just pushing everybody to be in shape once you get into preseason? Well, if you looked at the animal, I'm going to call Carl the animal. <laughs> now, hey, he was in super duper shape. And me, I wanted to run next to or faster than him. So I was like, that's how I set my standards towards him. And I came back in shape every year, better and better and better. There ever one moment when you realize, oh, wow, I'm playing next to an animal right now. What was the first oh, wow moment? When I got drafted, I was like, oh, wow, 
that car Malone and John Stockton. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, here comes Jeff Horner saying, oh, wait. I mean, my old wow moments was when I first seen him, I was like, wow, I'm really playing with some Hall of Famers. Was there anybody who was more competitive than the rest? I mean, they were all competitive. We all know about the stories of John Carl trying to beat each other into the gym. Was there somebody that separated? Man, M2, work ethic was incredible. And it started with Carl in the weight room. I mean, he's there two hours before practice just eating weights. I mean, I mean, look at him. I mean, he he made sure that he set the tone for the Jazz. And if you're not going to be ready to play the way he played, They'll get somebody in there that will. Got something different with that country weight, right? That being country strong, you can lift a tractor. That's not like the yeah, same yeah, as, yeah, as yeah, being yeah. in shape city-wise. Yeah, He's yeah. different. Super different. That's that, that's that grown man strength. I ain't going to say strength. Yeah. That's strength. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was, I mean, it was like a ooh-wee moment. Every time I tried to switch off in the post, but I was like, oh, come on, man. Don't hurt me down here. I mean. It was it was incredible. Go extra hard because you were his rookie. Probably so. <laughs> I think I got punished more than David Robinson and all of them. I was catching I was catching it. Oh, come on, boy, come on! I was like, oh man, let me catch my breath. I mean, it was it was all work. It was work. He was a machine. Was there a moment where you said, oh, "Today I'm I'm a rookie. Today this is the day you're gonna ride me." The first day <laughs> when I had to grab some bags and. I mean, I was like, man, I'm coming from college, a California boy, and here come with a big Carl Malone. You better grab them bags. I'm like, I'm not grabbing nobody's bag. I left it out there. Jerry Sloan came at it, boy. You better go get them bags. <laughs> I'm like, for what? That's what rookies do. I'm like, oh, man, come on. So I end up grabbing the bags, walk back to the bus, Carl, like, sit down right here. You my rookie now. I was like, oh, 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 so. But I guess it wasn't bad to be his rookie because he took care of everything. What did you learn from Carl taking you under his wing? I uh, learned how to punk the rookies. <laughs> I learned how to make them do everything, and I mean, just being around him was a blessing. Um, it made me work even harder than what I used to work, and I worked hard. And I'm like, I know I'm not going to be him, but let's try to be on his level. You know, his platform, he set the tone, and I'm going to try to catch up to him. You think you worked hard at Long Beach State, and then it took an entire different mi mindset once you got to the Jazz? <laughs> Total different mindset. I mean, it's like taking candy from a baby when you get to the NBA. And I, and I was in great shape in college, but I had to get in supreme shape in the NBA. And I did, and... It, it paid off. It paid dividends. What's a piece of advice you wish you knew coming out of Long Beach State into the NBA that you know from going through the rigors of an NBA career? Well, I think as a rookie, first of all, you're just hoping you get here. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you get here, that's when you get that year under your belt and figure out what do I need to do to get better. And mine was jump shooting. I played defense and rebounded and did all that stuff. But my first year was horrible shooting. But I came back better and better every year. Today, this game, with threes, the spacing, you would have excelled at this time. I would destroy these youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> they don't play no defense, and I, I, I take hearts. I, I, I like to take hearts. And I would uh, I probably would have averaged about 26, 27.
maybe. Really? At least 20. Easy. The way I shot the ball, easy. I'll be it. <laughs> I was a sniper in my day, so I know I probably would have been a, ooh, I, I'd have been pretty good. I think I'd have been pretty good. Well, you had the franchise record for threes. Oh, man, until Mimic Accord broke it. Ain't that something? <laughs> no, I mean, that's when we didn't take as many threes as they take now. So, I mean, to average six or seven threes a game, oh, that would have been good. It would be the same thing that Carl said to you. If you don't shoot it, you oh. you will not be playing in the game. Him, him and Stockton told me that if you don't shoot this ball, I said, okay, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> I, I'm going to shoot it. And uh, I shot it, but now everything is shot first, shot second, shot third. And it's three-pointers. I mean, heck, you got the big shooting threes now. You think Sloan would have been happy if Ostertag was out there shooting threes? <laughs> heck, no. What do you make of this team heading into the year? They are adding Mike Conley. They already have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They also have Boyan Bogdanovich coming on as well. And some serious vets and Jeff Green and Ed Davis. And I'm a real big fan of Conley. I like him. And I can't wait to see how he looks in the Jazz uniform out there on the court. And, you know, it's, it should be a good match. I think I think they got a couple more pieces that they need. They might be a few away, but I need to see how they play together in order for me to give my final analysis of the team. What have you made of what you've seen from Donovan Mitchell so far? And especially because he had a summer that was wild. He went with Team USA. I'm a, a, I'm a super-duper fan of his. I mean, I followed him all the way back to Louisville. And I was like, wow. I, I didn't see this coming. And he turned into a great player. I mean, now that he's an all-star, there's no turning back. He got to be an all-star every year now. So, and I think he will. I think he will. What do you make of Rudy Gobert? He's a guy that does play defense. I know you say people don't play defense in this era. Rudy Gobert definitely does. I like Rudy. He 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 definitely put the Jazz in the position that they needed that big, and. He's blessed the organization. He's got that toughness that I think would have worked any era. He does. He, uh, from what I've seen the last few years, he's got to get in better shape because I've seen him grab them shorts quite a few times. <laughs> but I think he'll be ready. I know I know um, Donovan is in uh, great shape. So hopefully everybody can piggyback off of them. And then my, be- my best lefty. Ingles, Ingles going to kill it. I already know he's going to kill it. Because he has to kill it because he's a trash talker. Much like you. And I want, I want to get into this. I didn't talk too much trash. You talked. Yeah, but that's what mouths are for to talk. Right. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't trash talk until somebody trash talked me. But oh. I, if, you, if you let me talk trash to you, I'm going to talk. Confident. And that's what it takes to be a good trash talker, correct? I was overconfident. <laughs> I, I was overconfident. I, but I had a great time. And I did talk a little trash, but not a lot. I let my, my defense and my game speak for it, so that talked the trash for me. But if you were a trash talker, when you did talk trash, what goes into getting yourself going, getting you in that game where you're going back and forth with somebody? Come get some of this. You know I got you. Come get some of this. I'm going to tear you up. Come on, come on, chump. What you, what you want to do? Come on. I should say that to Mike. <laughs> come on, Mike, what you going to do, huh? Brian Russell is in your mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on, Mike, what you going to do? Who are the great trash talkers of that era? Because I hear stories of Larry Bird saying that he has a Christmas present for the entire Atlanta Hawks bench. Shoots a three in their face. That's the Christmas present. 
What, who were the great trash talkers of your era? Reggie Miller was the biggest trash talker in our era. I've I never seen a guy choked out a team in nine seconds. <clears throat> and I was like, wow, New York, y'all let him do that? Somebody foul him. But he was talking trash. But Spike Lee aided him on. He's the best. Mike, Mike was a trash talker, too. We talked some trash in them finals, which I think made the finals. So Gary Payton, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the glove. I'll, I might put Gary second. I might put Gary second. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I will put Gary over Jordan. GP talked so much trash. I was like, boy, this little young fella. And I was younger than him. Talks a lot. I heard a story of GP. He was talking about talking trash on the court. And the strangest person to talk trash to was John Stockton. Because John, one, he was cold. <laughs> I mean, the, the, he could be the best player on the court at any time. And two, he's not going to engage with you. He's not going to talk back. It's not no fun for you. We was in the playoffs. I'll give, give one. We was in the playoffs. Gary Payton was posting up talking crazy to John Stockton. Sloan pick, put me on him. I said, now pick on somebody your side. Oh, I'm going to put you down there too, rookie. Come on, rookie. I was like, yeah, that's GP, boy. And he, and we became cool after that. But he talked trash to me no matter. He's like, I don't care how big you are. Come on. Uh, back me down. Scored on me too. Scored on me. And talked even more. I was like, oh. he's crazy. Does that make you go back and forth with him? Somebody that, that is yapping like that the entire time like GP? No, I didn't really want to go back. I said, okay. man, let me get up and let me get him and stop him yeah. because Jerry going to take me out the game if I don't do so. I mean, I, he was – it was good. Uh, let's say he made he made a competition between Seattle and Utah good too. Those series with Seattle and, and Utah, when you guys were battling for the West, I mean, that's what it was. You could, whoever won that series was going to win and go to the finals. Um, beyond GP, was there other stories that you can remember from those series? I mean, the Rain Man, <laughs> Sean yep. Kemp. I mean, Sam Perkins. They deadlift, They had a squad, man. They had – man, I was like, Wow. Deadless shrimp. He was, oh my goodness. He was good. And, I mean, it was it was just a good fight. It was a good fight between two teams. Whoever talked the most trash, which was Seattle, they ended up winning in game seven. Is there anybody else on the Jazz who would talk trash? Chris Morris when he got okay. here. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Chris Morris would talk trash because – he talked trash when we played him when he was in New Jersey. But it wasn't a lot, but man, I was happy when he came to. Oh, come on, Russ. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Russ. I'm like, who are you? Mr. Auburn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he Chris talked trash, but he had a wet jump shot too. He had a nice one. I remember seeing a clip of you um against the Heat. That that game winner that you had. Yes, in the corner. You hit the shot. And then you point straight to the front row, and you're celebrating right at that moment. Who who gets game winners in the NBA? I happened to get one. I was shot went in. I was pointed. It was fun. It was the moment, and I got caught up in it. And it was it was a great feeling. Personal favorite jazz memory. The shot that Stockton hit to get us to the '97 Finals. Brian Russell takes the ball out. Pumps fake it one time. Hits John Stockton. John Stockton, one, two, dribble, pull up three. It's good. We all just 
celebrated on Houston court. Incredible. And that feeling right there was probably one of the greatest moments in my career. Is there anything that, that can compare to that? Because going to the finals on the last second try, and, and John Stockton, a guy who famously not as emotional, we talked about with GP, he could talk crazy and John Stockton's not going to react. To see him jump like that, what, what, what did you think? That's how I felt when I hit that shot against Miami, <laughs> but that was different. That was to go to the finals. Mine was in the regular season. But, I mean, that moment, I mean, you even look at Jerry Sloan running. I mean, everybody, the trainers all the way down to the ball guys. They was, I mean, that moment was a surreal moment. It was, I can I can just keep rewinding and rewinding and rewinding. And the fans, when you won that game against Houston, they met you at the airport. I mean, it was a real slow drive out of the airport. It was crazy when we landed. As we were landing, everybody was like, look. And I was like, well, I got to be about a thousand people, maybe a little bit more. So it was, that's how much they loved their team. And we provided them everything possible for them to keep loving us. You stay connected with the team. You're in town to do a junior jazz event. Why have the jazz remained so special for you? This was home, baby. This was home. Um, nine years here was incredible nine years. And I, I, I left a mark. It had to be a good one for them to keep saying, hey, Brian, we want you to come back. And not only do we want you to come back, the fans want you to come back. So it's a good thing. You've done junior jazz events before. What's it like to see those kids go out there and, and just be amongst them and, and play with them and see those smiles on their faces? It's, it's really good. It's really good to see that they know who I am because they probably weren't even born. Yeah. <laughs> you know, their parents probably told them, hey, you know, y'all got a legend coming up there. I'm like, no, I'm not a legend. I'm just a normal basketball. No, you're a legend. So, I mean, to know that these kids know who I am, that's that's a a win in itself. Come on, <laughs> don't don't play, don't play along. You're a legend. <laughs> no, I'm just a a basketball player that did good. As good basketball player, Brian Russell, with us on UtahJazz.com. Thank you so much for taking the time. You got it. Anytime.